welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, a show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. I'm here. And Daniel. Hey! Today we're discussing Season 8, Episode 4, which is titled Never Say Never. The episode aired on October 18th, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Oh, this one's sad. After failing to capture a significant portion of the rapidly growing digital photography market, film and camera company Polaroid declares bankruptcy. At its peak in 1978, the company employed more than 21,000 people and grossed as much as $3 billion a year in the late 80s and early 90s. Rowan Blanchard, an actress best known to Lauren and Lizzie for her work on the Disney Channel show Girl Meets World, still sad it got canceled, is born. These days, she co-stars in the TNT show Snowpiercer and is an activist, mainly for pro-Palestinian causes. Corky Romano, an awful crime comedy starring SNL's Chris Catan, debuts but is unable to take the box office crown from Training Day. Is it Catan or Catan? It's, I've heard it both ways. It's probably Chris Catan. Catan is what I've heard more frequently. Yeah. And Fallen by Alicia Keys is the number one song one final time. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Videotape. At 8.30, Inside Schwartz with the episode The Pinch Hitter. At 9 o'clock, Will and Grace with the episode Prison Blues. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me, closing the loop from last week with The Two Faces of Finch, part two of two. This week's episode had 26.7 million viewers tuning in, which if you're keeping score at home is a nice, healthy 5 million uh, jump since last week. Uh, nice. Methinks me thinks they hyped up Susan Lewis's return a little bit. Uh, directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala doing his ninth out of 12. Uh, last time we saw him last season was Surrender. And written by Dee Johnson doing her fifth out of 19. Previous ones of hers from last season included Benton Backwards, Rock, Paper, Scissors, April Showers, and Where the Heart Is. Cool. Our previously on this week is brought to us by Carrie. And hey, we know that train station, don't we, Lauren? We sure do. That's we'll be Union. there next week. That's Union Station. Uh, an Amtrak train's coming in, and Susan peeks out. And Any comments on the hair from you two? Because you, you both seem to care about it way more than I it's do. It's sure a look. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there's another example of it later in the episode from somebody else, but like, goddamn, 2001 was a weird time for hair, just mm-hmm. all the way around, like just a bad, bad time for hair. And Susan Lewis's uh, haircut here is honestly the most interesting thing about probably her second <laughs> second yeah. run on the uh, show. Um, uh, I, I like Donald Logue, thank you I very do much. Too. I, I do, do too. I do want to note, um, this mirrors a shot that we got on the previously on of her leaning out the train when Mark says, I love you or whatever. <laughs> and, it's le- and she's leaving. Yep. Yeah. Just- so like all, all of that uh, rolled in together. Like I said in the, the um, what else was on segment, like it's clear that they did some amount of like promotion to hype up the fact that she was returning. Like, I don't think it was any big secret. Um, and they obviously bring it up in the previously on and with this shot here like clearly they're 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 telegraphing you know of course what they're doing but man i gotta be honest as i was watching this episode i really wish they made this more of a surprise like i really Mm -hmm. wish that they like kept this more of a secret because like her leaving was such a secret like remember when we talked about Mm -hmm. it in union station like nobody but her anthony edwards and the director of the episode knew what was going on and I, w- I wish that they treated her return with the same sort of, like, you know, anticipation and, and 
secrecy you know like I, I wish that it was treated like a bigger deal and you know I, I feel like it could have like this whole opening sequence before we go into the bangs like I feel like you could have done you could have had the opening shot of the train pulling into Union Station but just not actually shown her face mm-hmm. and and done some clever you know shot tricks to like obscure who we're looking at throughout the whole period and then she walks through the door and it's like boom bangs right into the intro it just could have been a really cool visual I think well, since we're temporarily losing Chen after this episode, that I think viewers have like, hey, here's a character you like. Keep watching our show, please. Oh, no, sure. Absolutely. I, I definitely think that has a lot to do with it. The fact that the ratings, you know, think think about what the ratings numbers were like around the time Susan left the first time when we were comfortably over 30 million every episode. Mm-hmm. And think about where they were just last week where we're just barely eking out 20 million, which is still obviously by today's numbers insane. But for them it's got to be like holy shit like people are leaving in droves so we got to figure out some way to keep them interested and having one of the old favorites come back is uh, definitely part of that yeah but she seems to be walking around chicago like she's never been there before that made me so mad i'm like anybody who's lived here for any period of time you know how to walk around people you know like especially on michigan avenue yeah you know so just this was like I understand. Oh, it's so good to be back, breath of fresh air. It's like, so different after five years. But really, no. Like, yeah. you know how to fucking walk. So yeah, her like it, her running into people just drove me nuts on the street. I'm like, no, you wouldn't do that. Imagine if all you um, imagine if you will theater of the mind. Imagine if all you got during this opening sequence though was just like a series of like, you know, carefully crafted like leg shots from like. POV of like you're on the street and like you you can hear the voice so like you know if you're paying attention you know who this is but it's just building that anticipation and building and building and building until eventually she enters the doors of you know county general and like you just see the train pull in you don't see her walking out of it you yeah you just get like a shot of her legs as she walks out or something and then yeah exactly legs down michigan avenue or whatever yeah you you get to see her walk confidently through the streets of chicago because like lauren said once you've lived there once you you can always come back like you you always fall right back into that that mindset so like i i feel like it would have fixed so many things but that's why my mom gets so mad at my city walking sometimes she's like where are you going in such a hurry i'm like walk with a purpose or don't fucking walk (laughs) let's go but um yeah she walks in to see frank trying to deny service to someone of course Cleo trying to deny a corpse from the EMTs in the ambulance bay, and Abby working with a family to finally get them discharged. She's trying to get someone's attention because she is looking for Mark, and Frank tries to point her to chairs, thinking she's a patient, and she's like, no, I'm I'm really not, and Frank's like, too bad, there's chairs. Um, everyone treats her as if she's essentially invisible. She can't get a fucking answer from anybody because, of course, none of these people know who she is. Why would they care? Even Yosh blows her off. I know. But an old patient approaches her about he has had a life of static cling after um, after she treated him a few years ago. His name is Ralph. After getting electrocuted. Yes. Yes, which I was uh, really hoping was going to be like a little piece because they love to do shit like this. They love to I... like dig dig people up from the shadow realm and bring them back for these purposes. But sadly, no. Ralph is uh, at least not a patient that we've ever seen before. Uh, yeah. But we are we are seeing him for the first time, and he is played by a somewhat, at least to me, because I watch trash television sometimes. Uh, recognizable. Oh, hey, it's that guy, Jason Matthew Smith, who appears in uh, stuff like Star Trek, the uh, two thousand nine one. 
uh, Jake's favorite movie of 2022, Bullet Train, uh, and uh, the delightfully trashy, which I think I've talked about on mic before, the delightfully trashy ESPN melodrama Playmakers, where he plays the uh, Brian Urlacher uh, avatar, where he's the uh, the big burly uh, linebacker who uh, is has a sensitive side. That's his whole thing. All right. Uh, and then as Susan's standing there, random guy flashes her in a trench coat. He's like, hey. And she just goes, is that it? And then we're in with Bay. It's, it's even more full of disdain. It's like, is that it? Yep, you're right. But then we are in with Bangs, and I want to note, uh, Sherry Stringfield back in the credits. Susan's mm. in the main credits again. It is very nice to see her again, I will say. Like, I, I've the, always maintained. Yeah. She's silly the, haircut aside. Yeah, she's in the credits with a new little... Uh, montage. Little montage thing, too. Little flourish. They don't reuse yeah. her old one. Yeah. It's just nice to see her again. I am looking forward to uh, being hurt all over again by her second run and uh, being frustrated by the time it's time for her to go. But I am, it it was one of those things that's like really, it's one of those things where it's really weird to think about because it doesn't feel like that long ago that we covered Union Station. So to be here for, it it doesn't like maybe in just, maybe for, maybe for me though, it it feels weird because, uh, I was just going through all the old season three clips for best of season three at the end of last year. But like, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like it wasn't, it doesn't feel to me like enough time has passed that we are supposedly all the way at, we, we have already covered the five year gap that she was gone. I that think for me, weird. anything longer than two weeks feels like it was seven years ago. So this feels like it was an eternity ago. Fair enough. Yeah. And everything feels like it was yesterday for me. Nope. Either way. Uh, Susan's catching up with the nurses. Carrie walks up and Susan says, oh, she's still here with horrified, absolutely horrified <laughs> eyes. Uh, mentions to Carrie that she's interviewing for different positions around the city and she's kind of blocking the computer. And Frank, ever the charmer, just says, do you mind? I work here. Love it. But oh, yeah, fuck. I love her. I love her catching up with like Hale and Lydia and stuff. Mm hmm. Also, I still totally ship Susan and Carrie, and I want you all to know Laura Inez did too. <laughs> That's true. She, she That's had my she's back. She's on record. Uh, but we then go over and see Mark and Lizzie working together on a trauma when uh, Susan knocks on the trauma door. And one of many examples this episode where I feel like they made the wrong choice, they had Susan showing up be a pre-planned thing and had Mark be totally aware that it was happening, and I just not a fan. I feel like you could have done it better. Uh, but Lauren... Whose films are those? And, uh, of course, Lizzie, because this is the dark timeline of season uh. eight, Lizzie immediately has to be all weird about them having lunch. Oh, boy. especially because she, like, already knows who Susan is. Like, she's like, oh, it's your friend from Arizona. Like, she already knows who Susan is. So they've presumably already – it's not like Mark kept Susan's existence a secret from Lizzie. Yeah. So it's just it's just dumb that Lizzie would be And it's not mad it's also not it. like he would have told her, "Oh yeah, this was my friend that I was in love with." Right. Like he would have just said, "Yeah, a woman I used to work with is an Arizona and she's coming back." Uh Straights, are you okay? Nope. Not this week. Uh but uh we then see Carter working with a patient, Miss McDuffie, uh with a whole Ooh. bunch of complaints. Uh uh, to include dragging Carter's hand onto her chest because she's suffering from air quotes chest pain, uh, seems real thirsty for him, and uh, says <sighs> I've got says I've got a yeast infection too and want to see it. Oh my 
God. And that's it, me just vomiting up my dinner right now. Thank yeah. you. Does it does it did it feel like to anyone else that having Susan back around made them do more like old school type gags yeah. than mm-hmm. like it felt like a lot of stuff it, it felt like this whole episode was like retrograde like they were just doing old shit again just for the fun of it. Um, Miss McDuffie here is played by actress Mary Pat Green, who appears in stuff like Yes Man, uh, the Vin Diesel, James Bond, extreme ripoff of uh, James Bond, Triple uh, X, uh, Drillbit Taylor as well. And uh, Abby with the delightfully helpful line on the way out of the room, be a sport, do the pelvic. Uh, and <laughs> Carter mentions to Abby that he's got a job interview at Northwestern for a tenured track faculty position, and he is leaning towards taking it, but he's got to let them know his final decision yeah. by tomorrow. I think it's an offer, not the interview at this point. Yeah, it's an offer. Yeah, did I say an interview? Yeah. Yeah, yeah offer, sorry. That's okay. Uh, then uh, Chen passes off a hypochondriac patient on to Carter, and then hands carry a list that she needs to review. She has a risk management meeting with Romano and Carrie says that, you know, d- tries to reassure her in her very Carrie Weaver way, says that uh, risk management's job is to protect the hospital and Chen, not the patient. And Chen asks if she's in trouble, given that, you know, Malucci was fired at the end of last week. Remember, friends, HR is not your friend. No. Ugh. But a guy shows Carter the spider that bit him. No, thank you. He, he is, has in a glass jar because I figured because he figured that they would need to milk it for an anti-venom. I think this is the same kind of spider that we used to get up on the windows at our old place. No, I this don't... is bigger. And okay, yeah, this is this is different. The patterning looked the same, but okay. Gotcha. Um, I had forgotten about those spiders. Thanks for that. Uh, but Chicago doesn't really have any like dangerous spiders. Like we don't have any like venomous spiders that lurk around here. According to Carter. <clears throat> No, I mean, we really don't. Not that I can think of, but just Carter's the one who mentions it here yeah. specifically. Um, the guy is like, I can feel I can feel a toxin making its way to my heart. And they think <laughs> it's just kind of like, it looks like a flea bite. Uh, but then Abby gets approached by the waitress from the bar, uh, Nicole, uh, because she cut herself at work and she thinks she needs sutures. And she says that Frank, that man, won't tell Luca I'm here. I was hoping Luca could take a look after Carter offers to do it. She's like, no, I want Luca to do it. Is Luca here? Can Luca Aye. do it? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. No. Red flags. Is, what's that SNL thing? That, I couldn't think it's of what it actually red is. Flag. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen Wig nails that, but yes. just. Ugh. Anyway, let's go to our first audio. It had to be Susan for our first audio, of course. Yeah. Uh, the spider guy let the spider loose, but uh, in the ER when Susan shows up. Hey, don't hurt him. What are you doing? I'm letting him go. Why? You said he was innocent. Uh... Frank, I think I need housekeeping in here. Funny, that's not how I remember you. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That is. Dr. Lewis, what are you doing here? Susan Carter. Right, Susan. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Uh, well, would you believe I'm looking for work? In Chicago? <laughs> yeah, never say never. Oh, that's great. Wow, you look different. Yeah, you look uh, the same. <laughs> Are you uh, interviewing? Yeah, I have a meeting at Northwestern today. Northwestern? Yeah. Clinical faculty position? Yeah, why? I was just offered that job. Oh, no, it's in the ER. No, no, I switched back to emergency medicine. Oh, when? Uh, forever ago. So you must be chief resident. 
Uh, no, that would be Dr. Chen. Deb Chen? It's Jing Mei now. Jing Mai now. Jing, what, Frank, what is it? I don't know what she calls herself. Yeah, so. Hey. <laughs> uh, Awkward. First pairing and I am here for it. Also, uh, you totally know her name is Jing Mei. Fuck you, Carter. Yeah. He's, he's just so flustered because he had such a crush on Susan before she left. And now she's back. And oh my God. And oh my he's embarrassed because he just hit his head. Also, I love it. That's not how I remember you. That is. Yeah, like that. Jack that got a good... I, that that got a good chuckle out of me. But and I guess that kind of goes to my point earlier of like they feel like they do a lot of like old bits just for the fun of it. This episode uh, to include the score in the, the scene, mm-hmm. like yeah. that comes up a few more times throughout the episode. The playful score, I love it. Yeah. All right, let's uh, mosey right along on to our next audio clip here. Then uh, Carrie is confronting Robert about. This whole Chen meeting and situation. Robert. Hey, Carrie, what are you, lurking around men's room now? You changing teams again? You're scheduling meetings with my residents without consulting me? Sorry, did you not get the memo? What memo? The one that says I run the place. Yeah, Dr. Chen is my responsibility. I expect to be notified if she's to be questioned by risk management. Fair enough. Consider yourself notified. Good, I want to be there. No, you don't. I don't even want to be there. As chief of the department, I think my presence is appropriate. I try not to interfere with risk management investigations. Announcement investigation. Information gathering, whatever you want to call it. They have a few questions. Dr. Chen approached me. She was scared. She wants me to come with her. She's a big girl. She talked about lawyers. Do you want it to escalate to that, or do you want me to come? Does she have something to hide? <laughs> no, the truth is bad enough. I think we should be trying to protect her. You sure you just don't have a little thing for her? Oh, Robert. Okay, fine. Three o'clock, seventh floor conference room. just want to give one heck of a shout-out to the Foley work on that zipper pull by Romano mm-hmm. at the begin- at the top of the clip. Like, you get extra, extra nice zipper work on the Foley there. But... I hate Carrie in season eight. God, it, full cover your ass mode. Full, full, full cover your ass mode. And it only gets worse. Yeah. But like, and not even like in a like, like there's good, there's like, there's good ways you can be in cover your ass mode. Sure. But not this way. Right. Not when you're trying to screw over someone else when you fucked up. Right. It's hard to find an angle that is defensible for her in this yeah. situation. So we'll loop back around to that a little later. Oh, just, yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, but then Mark and Lizzie are still working in their same trauma. Susan knocks again, and Lizzie is very distracted by her standing in the door. Like, she cannot fucking focus on her shit. Uh, but Mark goes out to ask if uh, Susan can wait 10 more minutes. And Susan says, oh, I've got a train out to Oak Park for an interview. That's not where Northwestern is. Northwestern is also downtown or in the or in the in Evanston, the first northern suburb. Yeah. So they she might be going out to Rush Hospital for an interview. Yeah. And she doesn't specifically say that's where her immediate interview is. But it wouldn't make sense for her to be interviewing at Northwestern today, go to Rush and then come back like the math doesn't check yeah. out. We'll do another map for everybody, but <laughs> it would be more sensible for her to do her Northwestern interview, then go out, and then come. So either way, this doesn't quite check out. It only We're, makes it only makes sense that uh, quite possibly the most egregious example of uh, Chicago geography to date was in Union Station, and uh, in her return episode, we get to have even more egregious also, Chicago geography. Also, we used to live in Oak Park. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cute. I liked it out there. It's a very nice, if if a fair bit nimby suburb. Yeah. It's a little nimby, but it's it's still cute. 
For the listeners, what does NIMBY mean, Lizzie? Oh, uh, not in my backyard. So basically, like, anti-development, like... Anti-apartments. Yeah, like, we don't want any affordable housing, because there might be the poors. Like, that's a lot of, like, people, like, saying, like, oh, no, we need to protect our property values, air quotes. Right. A lot. It really means let's just keep out people of color. So, either way, uh, Oak Park's great. Little bit NIMBY. Still cute. Yeah. Um... Great restaurants. Daniel, what happens next? Uh, Mark is then pulled into another trauma, a six-year-old with persistent vomiting with Edwards syndrome. Uh, apparently it is uh, uncommon, if not, uh, like, at least to, to the doctor's uh, expectations, uh, impossible for a child with this condition to have lived to six years old. They generally don't live past one. Uh, and for the second time this episode, Lauren... I, this was just an egregious one, so I had to throw it in here, too. Whose films are those again? Guys, I normally don't do it more than once an episode, but I felt a little spicy, these notes. I'm here for it. Uh, the six-year-old is suffering from a possible bowel obstruction and is likely perfed, and the parents here are just having a time. Uh, the uh, mother, I think, is uh, says it. Please, this has to stop. Uh, and they essentially request that the child be euthanized as they're rolling him out to take him up to the OR uh, because of his suffering. Uh, not great, Bob. Uh, our parents here, Mom is played by actress Susan Trailer, who appears in stuff like Heat, A River Runs Through It, and Greenberg. And the dad is pl- uh, played by actor David Hewlett, who appeared in stuff like The Swearing Jar, The Shape of Water, and a recurring role on Stargate Atlantis. Uh, and uh, we then see Chen telling Hale how she needs, to, uh, she needs the residents to take charts. And uh, Carrie says that she's going up to the meeting with Chen, uh, which has Chen on her toes. It's like, oh yeah, suddenly my boss wants to come into a meeting with the even higher-ups. No big deal. Nothing to worry about. No reason for concern at all. Yeah. Uh, But Corday checks in with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Shooty. That, right? Yes, that's far as I know. Sure, okay. Uh, The six-year-old's parents, Kenny's parents, uh, they've given Kenny morphine for the pain, and Mom expresses guilt about how awful Lizzie must think that they are for the for their behavior as he was going into the trauma room and said and they say maybe we're both just too tired um they are going to have to do a do a surgery for the obstruction uh, maybe have to colostomy bag and they say he's already had four of those so and he's had more surgeries than birthdays i believe they say it's almost a dozen surgeries so yep. far mm. poor baby yeah. <laughs> but then we go over to luca working on nicole's hand and so doesn't look deep enough to suture and he asks uh he asks abby to get a kit for him or something to irrigate the wound and she goes over to the other side of the room past the curtain where chuni is and she and chuni are just giggling and laughing at uh how desperate nicole seems and everything and just like rolling their eyes and just tittering and um at one point luke is like how's that coming or do you have it and Trini goes, yes, Dr. Kova. <laughs> and Abby looks like she's going to kill her, and it's the best part ever. But um, I love when we get to have playful, fun Chuni like this. Like, mm-hmm. she's seen this shit so many times. She's not going to take it seriously. But we learn Nicole got fired, and um, her boss says that he'll, or we find out that her boss, he'll make problems with my visa, and he can, too. So, of course, she needs a white Croatian knight. Croatian white knight. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Croatian white knight. I was trying to think of the right adjective 
order for that, but a Croatian white knight to come save her, and why not be a handsome doctor, too? Of course. Of course. Uh, so speaking of things that are absolutely no big deal whatsoever and are totally fine, let's go listen into that risk management meeting. Had you looked at the x-ray, do you feel that you would have recognized the widened mediastinum? Yes, I think so. Well, how confident of that are you? I don't know. Confident. Standard of care is to take a chest x-ray to rule out aortic dissection before ordering thrombolytics, correct? That's right. So why take one if you're not going to look at it? Dr. Chen has already admitted to a critical error. Don't need to belabor the point. We're just trying to understand what happened. The treating resident told me the x-ray was clear. He thought I meant hemothorax. I thought he meant signs of dissection. Uh, Dr. Malucci. Yeah, he's been terminated since the incident. Well, that helps, I suppose. In essence, the mistake was the result of a miscommunication during a time-sensitive critical care situation. Except for the chain of command issue. What issue? How did you get involved in this case? Chief residents or attendings are called on to sign off on any use of thrombolytics. Chief residents who are attending. I am an attending. Well, you are now. But at the time, you were five days from officially completing your residency. My appointment started July 1st. I was making up days from my maternity leave. Dr. Chen was given the authority of an attending while a chief resident. Prematurely. If she wasn't board eligible, she wasn't officially authorized to make this decision. I thought I was. Who was your attending? What? Who was your attending that night? Dr. Weaver. We're talking five days. And where was Dr. Weaver? Excuse me, I'm sitting right here. You can ask me. You're here as a representative of the department. I'm interviewing Dr. Chen. She was out of the hospital. I was right across the street. I was getting a meal with the understand that Dr. Chen would page me for critical cases. And did you page her? Yes. Before or after you authorized the use of thrombolytics? Before and after. I never received a page. Three times total. You could have come to get me. I didn't know where you were. Carter knew. He found me in time to stop you from cracking his chest. Dr. Romano, this is precisely why I like to interview participants separately. The fact is, this is a systems error. The cafeteria isn't open at 2 in the morning, so you need to leave the building to get a meal. Hmm. You might consider brown bagging it next time. I'm done. All right. Well, this has been very enlightening. Thank you, Dr. Chen. I'm sorry? You're excused. Oh. Carrie, you stay. Oh, I just have to say one thing that this has made me grateful for in my professional life is I was taught how to fail early and admit to my shit. Mm. Like, if anything, from my first job out of college, that was one thing that they really stressed was if you fuck up, tell someone. Because yeah. it only gets worse if you don't. Try to make it as least impactful as possible. Yeah, so like, if anything from that job, I did take that lesson away and it's made me better for it. So I don't pull a carry. Mm. Where you immediately are like, well, it's a systems issue. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. And, no, it's you know, why, why, are we, why are we talking about this? This was clearly a communication error. Like, just all the stuff she's dancing around when it's really just like, I didn't have my pager. I mean, she's really, she's right. It is a communication error. Because, with her. Yeah, with her because of a lack of communication because she didn't have her fucking pager. And if she just said that, this wouldn't have blown up nearly as much. Like, yep. yes, a patient died. Yes, it was fucking shitty. But if she had just said from the outset in this meeting, I 
I left my pager in a bathroom. I fucked up. Fuck, it won't happen again. This was enough of a lesson. Like, so much could have been avoided. At this point, you have to assume she's already written a report that states that she didn't get a page. But you know what I mean. Like, there's still... In direct conflict with Malucci and Chen's stories. But she didn't get a page because she didn't have her pager. Exactly. So Neglecting that fact. But I'm just saying, like, there were so many other ways she could have done this and not become an incidental villain this season. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Great continuity, though, having the same yeah. risk management guy from last time when yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Lizzie had her fuck up. Yep. And it's also really great, though, because she acts it well. Yeah, it's a shitty thing, but they do such a good job making it believable that someone is just panicking and covering their ass. Like, she yeah. plays it great. Yeah, I have always maintained that, like, even the parts of Carrie's story I don't like or I would prefer to ignore, like, they do add a layer of sort of, like, human complexity to carrie as a character like she's not perfect she's not created in a vacuum like she is human and and oftentimes will act illogically or in a self-interested way and that's this storyline is probably no no better of an example than this one and it helps knowing it helps having watched the series knowing where chen's arc goes this season Mm -hmm. so i think i think that so like knowing carrie gets some form of comeuppance yeah. I forget the exact I forget what exactly what it was. But anyway, we'll get to that later this season. Lauren, what happens next? Uh me texting the Discord about something stupid. Um next we go to Abby and Luca chatting about how long it took him to fix Nicole's hand. She's teasing him and blah blah blah. I also want to note Nicole doesn't necessarily know they broke up, so she's coming in here asking Abby where Luca is, maybe not knowing that. So that's fucked up. Unless Luca had been to the bar and talked about it. But I'm she sure could, he had. But she could very well not know, which makes us extra fucking creepy and weird. Um, but then Miss McDuffie comes up to admit, complaining about how she still has to go because they need a stool sample, so they've kept her waiting. And she's like, Abby's like, go back to bed. Just fucking go back to bed. Go back to bed. And Miss McDuffie yells, does the fact that I have bad BO mean anything? And I think Abby says, I'm sure it means something, but can you please go back to bed? Like, just, oh my God. Lady, get the fuck out of my face. Right. (laughs) Uh, Then Luca calls a friend to see if they can help with Nicole's visa, because of course he does. He knows a guy. He knows a guy. Luca knows everybody. And then Chen is talking to Carter about Carrie's behavior in the meeting and complaining about what happened upstairs. Carter insists that Carrie will defend her because it's in her best interest to do so. Are we sure about that, Carter? We shall see. Yeah, anyway, uh, our next patient here is a 35-year-old guy who fell off a roof and impaled himself, and he was brought in by the EMTs because he was trying to get free cable. And who plays our impaled patient here? Yeah, the guy who, up until I heard his name, I credited in the uh, notes as Roof Guy, uh, Mr. Warshaw who uh, is played by actor Don Harvey, and he appeared in uh, this TV series, The Deuce, uh, the TV series We Own This City, which was really excellent, um, kind of a spiritual follow-up to um, The Wire, uh, and Better Call Saul. Cool. Uh, we then go from there. We see uh, Kenny going into surgery. Uh, parents give him a little cuddle before he goes in, and uh, Lizzie gets their consent, and then they head down to the cafeteria. That becomes important later. Uh, we then see Benton asking for messages. Uh, he's having trouble finding a new nanny that can sign. 
and uh, get a nice little Benton Corday uh, interaction here, which uh, become fewer and farther between as we get closer to the end of Benton on the show. Uh, Lizzie says he looks tired and he laughs and says, so does she. And again, I just love that. Like anytime these two are given an excuse to interact, it's always pleasant. And there's always still believable, tangible chemistry. Like I just, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, who's says what to whom here? Parenting? Oh, uh, Lizzie. Lizzie says parenting will do that to you. There we go. And yeah. So uh, and then we go back from there. Impalement man's trauma uh, or roof guy, depending on, you know, what your uh, poison is. Uh, Benton joins in on the insanity to help. And they, uh, of course, need to remove the thing that has impaled him up in the OR. If they do it in the trauma room, he could bleed out uncontrollably. And uh, one question for the class. Why is the wife with the equally terrible haircut to 2001 Susan Lewis like let it be known that Susan Lewis is not alone on an on bad haircut island she's Th- following a trend this this woman is right there next to her uh why is this woman in the room with her kid like just all in the way it's a very bloody trauma because the dude is impaled with a fence post it's not great. makes me so mad Speaking of things that make us mad, uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Romano is up, still upstairs with risk management and Carrie. Didn't she leave a guide wire in some poor schlub's chest? That was over six years ago. She was a medical student. But now there's a pattern. And if we don't show that we took corrective measures, we could have real exposure if she kills anyone else. That's a little dramatic, don't you think? Guy's dead. You can't get much more dramatic. There's no reason to think that she's going to kill anyone else. Can you guarantee that? Oh, come on. And what happens the next time you take a 20-minute break off campus, Gary? How much does the technicality in her status really factor in? You mean, can you end the blood trail with Chen? I want to know what kind of support to expect. For you or the department? For me. Well... I won't tell you what to do. It's your ER, but I expect the family's going to want accountability beyond Dr. Malucci. The plot thickens. Burner. It's still the it, all these years later. It's still the Sports Center sound. <laughs> every every <laughs> it time, really is. Every time she does it, it's still the you Sports just gotta Center. Gotta go dun dun dun. No, I like the Sports Center sound better. It's funny. <laughs> Scott Van Pelt will be whatever, joining us for our next podcast. Whatever sound I'm accidentally doing, it's the right one. Okay. Uh, anything I don't want to watch, anything I don't want to watch is weep shit. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh boy. Yeah. So it, 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 we, it, we're going to, it gets a little deeper. Yeah. The, yeah. That plot does indeed thicken. No. Not, not in a way that anyone enjoys. Yep. Uh, and this is our last appearance of Lawyer Man. And tune into the uh, season eight uh, wrap up episode where we'll see if I include this in the list of Bob's and or goodbyes just to be that one character every season that the entire group goes, who? Why did you include this? <laughs> what are you doing? As if I don't do this every single oh my season. God. How dare you do the same thing you've done for seven other Guys, seasons? Guys, can I nominate first for season eight so you stop giving me chaos nominations and I can actually pick easy ones? Okay, as That's if it. as if you were, we could give you a six day head start on that outline, and you would still nominate like I don't know the janitor guy who disappeared last season as the MVP. Like you would and still his most improved character or something, right? Or you'd be like I don't know, Frazier's the MVP. Whatever I'm watching that <laughs> week. 
I, there's no lie. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we go over to Mr. Warshaw, a.k.a. Impaled Dude. Um, he says to Benton that he doesn't want to be saved. Uh, nurse pops in and says Benton's niece can't pick up Reese. That's a great rhyme. Um, the guy says it has to be an accident. They need the money more. And he then stabs himself deeper with the foreign object. Like, just <clears throat> really... I hate that my brain immediately went, foreign object. I know. <laughs> Shout out Mountain Goats. But, um, yeah, just just goes for it. Makes the trauma so much worse up up in the OR prep. Um, and Benton has Babcock help him pull apart the dude's ribs so they could clamp the aorta, which is some excellent Foley work, I must yeah. add. Gross. It's gross. It's great. I, w- I would choose to believe that this is the moment where Mr. Kerry Weaver decided he was just going to start killing people on purpose. because he like, was, I'm just going to be the angel of death. Right. He was just like, I don't want... Like, man, look, if you're going to have me cracking a guy's chest by hand in the prep room, I'm just going to start killing him on purpose. With a dude that made his own condition worse seconds before. Ugh. He also has uh, picked up the most unfortunate of facial hair since the last time we saw him. Like, yeah. he's he's got a real weird, like, patchy beard going on. All right, well, let's stay on the operating floor on the surgery for Kenny. Uh, it's Corday and Shirley with the, is assisting. Uh, Corday says, I don't have time to listen to music anymore except at work. Romano comes in with someone to document Kenny's condition since it's un- absolutely unheard of for a child with Edwards syndrome to last to six years old like all sorts of flash photography and <laughs> like uh, it's like oh yeah sm- this smile for the christmas card or something like that <laughs> yeah the, yeah yeah he pulls lizzie in at the end and is like this one's for the coffee table yeah uh how did you enjoy this scene lauren because when i was watching it i this is one of the rare times that i was watching after you all normally i watch first and then but like uh, this was a rare time where i was oh trailing. the flash watch yeah so i was like there's no point in warning her they've already done notes but uh <sighs> i wasn't thrilled but luckily like i mean I've, this was one of those where it wasn't gonna be a danger to me mm. but it was one of those where if i had my way i would have just ha- been shielding my eyes in some form yeah. just because flashing lights are never comfortable for me whether they're fast enough to cause problems or not yeah. i don't care it's not fucking comfortable. So anytime there's flashing at all, I'm usually going to be covering in some form. But this was not one where it would have been egregious for you to not warn me. Yeah. But I, I love that you thought of me. Yeah. No, always try to look out for you. I love that it's this has inadvertently become an extra <laughs> media awareness for people to be cautious about what flashing shit they put out in the internet. So. And to any game designers to make their games more yes. accessible with. That's that's a lounge episode. I'm yeah. not going to get on it here, but yes, absolutely. Uh, also, thank you to the Discord users for not posting flashy gifts. Carry on. There it is. Uh, we then see Benton working on Roof Guy, uh, and uh, w- they're trying to get a hold of Walt uh, by the uh, surger- surgical room phone, but uh, Walt isn't in the garage, and uh, they're going to try Jackie next. And, of course, uh, she is not answering and is listening to Peter through her answering machine because she's still going through it uh, and not picking up. So it's, it's just going great for Jackie. You love it for her. It's going uh, great for everyone involved here. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie then gives Shirley post-op instructions for Kenny and asks the OR nurse where his parents are. Uh, they have not been back upstairs since uh, he went in for surgery, and they went down to the cafeteria. rut Yikes. Speaking of yikes, uh, let's go down to our next audio clip here. It's Mark and Susan catching up. 
so you're not going to take it? Mark, he asked me out. Consider it a bonus. In the middle of the meeting. Was he good looking? He spits when he talks. So you're going to let a little saliva hold you back? <laughs> no big deal. I have three more interviews set up. Well, you can stop and come back here. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we're looking for an attending. No, you're not. Seriously, you saw what it was like down there this morning. Weaver didn't mention anything. Did that surprise you? I thought it was cooler than a tattoo. You could have at least called me, you know. Say what? Hey, how's it going? By the way, I have a brain tumor. Or written a letter. Oh, like the one you wrote me telling me that you were engaged? It wasn't an engagement, and it's over. Is that why you're moving back? Or did you collapse from heat exhaustion? Well, after Chloe moved, there wasn't much reason to stay. I can't follow my sister's family around forever. And I'm not exactly desert girl. I just missed it here, you know? The city, the weather, you. Hey, Mark. Have you seen the shooties in here? Who? The parents of the trisomy boy. Did he make it through surgery? Yes, he's 11th. Oh, Susan, this is Elizabeth, my wife. Elizabeth, Susan. Nice to meet you. You too. Susan's moving back to Chicago. Would you like some coffee? I don't drink coffee. I'm breastfeeding. Excuse me. She seems nice. Uh, jealous Corday is not a good look. I'd... Or would that would that be jealousy or would that be that's the t- territorial? Yeah, territorial. Yeah. Cagey. I don't know. I cagey. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not her fault, but I don't like it. Yeah. It's one of many reasons why I feel like, you know, her, like Susan coming back when, or I guess I should say Sherry Stringfield returning when she does, makes for such an awkward kind of fit. Like, I'm glad that she's back. I'm glad that this character gets a second chance to finish what she started, you know, all those years ago. But, like, it's undeniably a really weird time in the timeline for her to return. Like... If you'd have done this, you know, a year ago when, you know, it was we weren't quite so close to the end of Mark, then it would make a little more sense, I feel like, because they clearly have some, you know, creative yearning to close the loop on that whole thing from season three. But, you know, there's no good way to do it. You can't you obviously can't break Lizzie and Mark up at this point. So, like, there's just there's no easy, convenient way to make her fit and do all the things you want to do with her, which I guess leads to why they just sort of lose interest in her because they realize it's too hard to do the things they want to do. And so they just go like, ah, just stick her in the corner and not worry about it. It's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating. I kind of, I almost wish they had waited until maybe after Mark was gone to bring her back. Like it just, eh, it's a case of bad timing. That would have been a cool thing of her freshly coming back and being like, it's not the same without Mark here. Yeah, like, or or maybe his death inspires her to return to Chicago. Like, maybe, you know, yeah. like, something like that. Like, I just feel like I get why they maybe thought about doing it here and, and why they thought they could have their cake and eat it too and, you know, keep Mark and Lizzie together but also kind of explore the the unfinished, unresolved issues between the two of them. But it's just an awkward fit. And 
it's like I, I really thought I was actually really I think I texted the both of you about it as I was watching. I'm really surprised at how quickly this I, my memories of it is that like Susan's return is treated with the appropriate level of enthusiasm and the appropriate like, oh, hey, new, you know, old new person again. Like it, there's like some excitement and stuff. And it's like they fucked this up almost immediately. Like this is, this is kind of DOA. Like this is kind of a fuck up from jump street. And it really bums me out because I really was expecting that we were going to get a little bit of time to savor her return. And maybe it will get better as they kind of figure it out over the next few episodes. And she will, she will have her share of great moments. She will, she will. But it's just like, I was shocked at how tepid I found her return on rewatch where it was just like, and like this really doesn't have much of a chance coming yeah. out of the gates. I think maybe it'll hit more once she's actually like in the doing doctor things. Yeah. And not just socializing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, from here we go back to surgery with Benton for Mr. Warshaw. He is still trying to find some additional uh, care coverage for Reese. He calls a different number and it gets put on speaker and we learn it's Roger. He sees if Roger can pick Reese up because you know, he's stuck in surgery. There's no way he can get there. Uh, Roger says, of course he can grab him. No problem. The surgery is such a mess and it is not looking great for Mr. Warshaw. And Babcock is such a naysayer these last few episodes. He's kind of like evil Shirley. He's the angel of death. So Uh, this just makes me so sad that like Roger and Benton are not going to be, we could have just had this happy, friendly Mm -hmm. gay dads. Like just let me have this. No, 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 not even that. Just great co-parents. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. Yes, but yes, absolutely. I this whole episode, you're just like fuck, fuck. <laughs> just, just be this. Um, but then we go over to John Thomas, uh, my first shitty kid of the season. Hey! He's on the sticky note. Took four episodes, but here we are. Um, he is screaming at Luca and Abby because his head hurts, but of course he won't let them do anything about it. I want to note this is Beans from Even Stevens. Daniel, you want to tell us who he actually is? Yeah, actor Steven. I mean, of course, it, it really is just Beans. Like that's yep. <laughs> this kid is forever attached to Beans. Uh, yep. Stephen Anthony Lawrence, who appears in stuff like Cheaper by the Dozen, Bubble Boy, and yes, Even Stevens, the iconic role of Beans. Ugh. Um. His mom's like, if you sit still, I'll take you to McDonald's. And he goes, I don't want McDonald's. I want to go to Toys R Us. She's like, I'm going to tell, you know, I'm going to tell so-and-so you haven't been good. And he goes, well, I'll tell grandma you were playing with daddy's penis. And then he, the kid whiffs it on the gurney and runs out. Just screaming. Ah. Yeah. And uh, I think after he leaves, Abby goes, I bet that kid's getting Toys R Us. And then awkwardly, like, they, they share a moment, and Abby's like, what? And Luca just goes, I haven't seen you smile in a while. I forgot how pretty you were. Which I feel like is the writers just being like, sorry about that whole thing a couple episodes yeah. ago. Like, <laughs> that's them, like, walking that back, where they're like, uh, that was, we took that too far. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, then Cleo gets interrupted by a maintenance worker looking for the spider while she's filling out some charts. And Lizzie comes down and tells her that they can't find Kenny's parents anywhere. Um, Mark is trying to convince Susan what a great place this would be to come back and work. And Lizzie walks by and, you know, gives them the cold shoulder. And Susan goes, either she doesn't like me or she's mad at you. Why not both? 
Yeah, a little column A, a little column B. All right, uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Chen and Carrie are in the uh, exposition room slash pharmacy closet. Have you eaten yet? No. Let me buy you lunch. I'm not hungry. I want you to know I went on record against this, but the administration... Am I being fired, no. Carrie? No. No, of course not. You're on a year's probation and subject to a month's suspension without pay. I argued your case to the best of my ability, but risk management feels that given your history, they needed to take corrective measures to mitigate any further incidents. My history? The guide wire. Uh, God, you're gonna use that? You'll also have to resign your chief residency. What? I understand how upsetting this must be. What about you? Are you going to resign anything? My involvement or lack thereof is not at issue. Yeah, yeah, you made sure of that. Look, this is only a temporary setback, after which you'll be back on track. Were you even wearing your pager that night? This isn't about me. Hmm. Someone obviously misdialed. Yeah, just blame everyone but yourself, Carrie. Look, I'm sorry that this had to happen. You are not sorry. Just relieved. Jingmei, I... Go to hell, Carrie. I quit. No, she wasn't terminated. She resigned. You needed to demote her? Risk management seemed to think there might be some liability issues involved. Oh, right, I bet. What do you mean? This is a teaching hospital. Exactly, and she was the one who was supposed to be doing the teaching. Geez, Carrie, who are you cutting loose next? Look, I I'm gonna miss her, too. This saddens me, too. It's easy for you to be upset and angry about it when you don't have to manage the situation, but guess what? I'm angry and upset, okay? I mean, I think it sucks, only I don't have anyone to complain to. You're asking me to feel sorry for you now? No. I just wanted you to know what was going on. Hopefully, this will be the last personnel change for a while. I want to hire Susan. Lewis? Yeah, if you have a problem with that, bring it up at the next staff meeting. We need doctors, Carrie. Everything's imploding. It's fine. Totally fine. Everyone's leaving. Yeah, imagine imagine what this must feel like as a viewer watching it for the first time, not knowing, you know, all the... Maybe you're not keeping up with, like, you know, gossip magazines and, like, you're not keeping up with the comings and goings of the cast at large. You're just watching this cold week to week and, like... Malucci's gone. Susan Lewis is back. Now it seems like Chen is gone. Like, what is happening to your favorite show? Like, you just, you've got to have whiplash at this point. Making room for Mackay Pfeiffer. This is, this is how I try to watch most of my shows now, like, that are weekly, like any of my HBO shows. Mm -hmm. I, I try so hard to stay away from, like, the dirt sheets, for lack of a better term, of what's actually going on with the production. Yeah. I might listen to, like, recap weekly ep episodes afterwards but i do not do it because i love going in with that fresh face of like what the fuck is happening not knowing why stuff is going on necessarily yeah and this seems like such an odd time i mean er's never really like adhered to a strict schedule of like we introduce new characters at this time and we let old characters exit at this time but even for that uh, even for them not being overly formulaic with that in the past, this still feels like a strange time to do all this shuffling. Like, in the first quarter of a season, like, 
you know, to have people leave. Like, if you were going to have Malucci leave, why didn't you just have Malucci leave at the end of last season? Again, I'm saying as a viewer, like, I would think, like, well, it's not like Malucci did anything of significance this season. Why didn't we just let him go at the end of last season? And where, how does Susan Lewis factor into all this? It's just a weird time to be doing all of this cash shuffling. Absolutely. But, yeah, I love that Mark calls her out on this. Yeah. It's, uh, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. The slightest. No. I love it. And if you don't like it, bring it up at the staff meeting. Uh, and Carrie's line of this should be the last personnel change for a while very much feels like a meta line to the audience of like, don't worry, we're done. Um, I mean, yeah, until later this, until season. Later this season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for now, we go back to Lizzie in the recovery room with Kenny. And uh, it seems to be that uh, mom and dad stayed just long enough to give consent for the surgery and then dipped out. Uh, the whole document is a fake, fake info all through it. Kenny might not even be his real name. And it's, whew. and uh, Lizzie. There's a lot there. Yeah, Lizzie tries to sympathize with the parents' situation. Romano's just pissed because he's been, you know, handed a child that is basically now his responsibility. Uh, and uh, he says, you want to be a parent? Shut up and do your job. Can I be on both people's sides? Yeah. Oh, I, this is such a good Romano moment, though. Just like, he's normally an asshole for the wrong reasons. Here he's pissed for the right reason. Like, he does not have patience for kids being mistreated. I don't know if we've caught that. Yeah. But this is one thing that, like, he doesn't he doesn't put up with. Is animals or children being mistreated? It's true. It's true. It's actually a really, like, it, this, this episode I feel like is, like, weirdly uneven. But this is a storyline that I do feel like is a highlight for me. Like I do really enjoy the, the way that they handle this storyline, this episode. Uh, and Romano also scolds Peter for working in the OR on Mr. War- on Mr. Warshaw for so long. And Benton goes to break the news to the wife and child. Uh, turns out the husband lost his job six months ago and said it was the worst thing that could ever happen to us. And he lied. Mm. And she just said, we, he never told me why he wanted cable so bad. We don't need cable. Which is also, I feel like, another meta line. <laughs> just the writers going, "You don't need cable. Just keep watching network TV. Don't look away." Oh, no, it's it's sweet. No, I know. I'm they just... are not sweet. It's 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 a heart, nice heartfelt moment. No, I know. It's a tragic heartfelt moment. I don't no, know why no, she, she's she's saying that. that because it was all a scheme so he could fall off the roof and get their insurance. Yep. Whoopsie um, doodle. But then we go over to Carter and Abby talking about Miss McDuffie. It turns out she was pregnant. And I think Carter says something, somebody out there for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but then Nicole comes in looking for Luca again. She brought him chocolate chip oatmeal cookies for getting help from his immigration lawyer. Also, I love chocolate chip oatmeal cookies because I'm 80 years old. Those are some of my favorites. If any of you have a good chocolate chip oatmeal cookie recipe, get at me. Uh, I can make you chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. Please. We have chocolate chips. We have oatmeal. Make me use the eighty gallons of oatmeal we have in this house and so make me oatmeal cookies. More. We have the technology. Make me make me oatmeal cookies. Okay. Um, but uh, Nicole likes is like, hey, can you guys give these to Luca? Is he in? Like, I want to give these to him. And she's like, you can have one. And Carter's like, these are really good, but I would never touch Luca's cookies. Nope. She's like, oh, is is he working tomorrow, Lizzie? So. Uh-uh. As I was looking at the scene, <laughs> as, I was, as I was looking at the scene, I 
was like, there has to be more here. There has to be more of these cookies. Like, they seem so important to me. I'm, I can't do this with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. We'll... But, you know, I made a discovery. I scoured the depths of the internet. You know, your 4chans, your reddits, your twitters. Every, basically every single the, hive the, of scum and villainy. The, on the pinnacle internet. of research sources. Exactly. And I found something. I found a super secret deleted scene. So secret, in fact, that the showrunners don't even know about it. So... For the first time ever <laughs> in public, you're going to listen to the super secret scene of super secret lost scene of what happens when Luke discovers another man has been eating his cookies. Merry Christmas, Lockhart. Residence. Hi, I Carter. Luca. Hey, buddy. How's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Carter. I need to speak to Abby. Uh, could you get... Mm. Oh. Luca. Excuse me. But your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? I'm just helping Abby. to Lily in the kitchen. She's making up a storm here. Carter. I need to speak to my wife. So could you get her on the phone, please? I think she's in the shower. Luca. Do you want me to go check? No! I mean, no. That's fine. On your way out... Just tell her it would be a few minutes late, but you shouldn't worry. Oh, she won't worry. I mean, I'm here and... Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Abby. Put that cookie down <laughs> now! <laughs> oh That's my god! Excellent shit post, Lizzie. Good job. I I knew what clip you were putting in, but I didn't realize you were doing the extra layer. <laughs> yeah, I, did, to I it. didn't know there was all, so much post production involved. Oh. Brilliant. Oh, man. That's why I said it's so secret the showrunners didn't even know they were doing it. Oh, boy. Oh, that explains so much about all of their later relationships. <laughs> it's all the cookies. Can we talk about Can that. we talk about how gross and upsetting it is, though, that when he says that line, he's looking directly at Abby when he says that line. And I hate it, and I want it to die in a fire. Like That's what inspired this. <laughs> it's just... But, like, the way he's looking at her when he delivers that line gives me just all of the ick. No thanks. Oh, man. That was great, though. All right. You're welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank that's the, you. That's the most I'll ever be committed to a bit ever. <laughs> Thank you. It's more than I'll ever be, so you've already won. Uh, are we good on the cookies? Shall yep. we move on? Uh Carrie then asks to speak with Carter privately in the lounge. She then offers him the chief residency since Chen has resigned. She says she can't talk about it further, meaning it's all my fucking fault. And she says, your circumstance aside, I should have chosen you for the chief resident in the first place. Let me kiss ass because I need to fill this position. Mm -hmm. And she smashes the spider with her cane. She says, you need to get housekeeping to clean that up. And he has until the morning to decide. Mm. A little bit of. I would have preferred the spider die with fire, but smashing with a can is also totally fine. A little bit of a metaphor with her squishing the spider there. It could be a, a Maluchi spider or maybe a Chen spider. Uh, who knows? Ooh. Uh, but in any event, we go to uh, Susan and Mark uh, in the supply closet. Not not to be confused with the exposition closet. This is a different exposition supply closet. Uh, when he digs up and gives her her old white coat. Uh, which is a moment I did not remember, uh, mostly because they don't treat it with very much significance at all. But like, this is a moment that I had completely like blanked out from memory. Um, 
but this is where he gives her her pitch to you know try to convince her to come back full time and uh he's like peeling paint frequent flyers the lousy pay you know you want it and he's like i already told carrie it was a done deal so if you did if, if you decide not to i'm gonna look really stupid so it's a it's a objectively sweet moment, but one that I wish was just like handled a little differently. That I feel like it could have been done a little bit better. So, yeah. also that jacket looks so fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. No. Ugh. Um, Benton's at Rogers to grab Reese, and yeah, why couldn't they have just co-parented like this? It's it's going this, great. This would have been so nice. Like this, Roger is a much more likable character. I know. I, I really am really thinking, yeah. you know, not remembering the exact specifics of how each episode plays out when we're doing the custody battle stuff. I have a feeling I'm going to come down as Team Roger at the end of it. Like, I have a feeling that Benton's just going to act like such I an always ass. Have been. Like, I always have been. I just, uh, like, I feel like Benton is the problem here. Because Roger's not, uh, not, at, it's not asking for much. Yeah. Like, it's going to be really sad and disappointing, I think. Yeah. But I mean, it's a well-told storyline. For sure. So, but anyway, uh, Reese is arguing about going home, uh, about going home because he's already sleepy and Roger offers just to let Reese crash for the night since he's already all tucked in and everything looking as adorable as ever. Um, Benton can pick him up in the morning around nine. It's as always extremely cute. And if Lauren was ever going to learn sign language, it would definitely be the sign language for no, I'm already asleep. I'm already in bed. I'm not getting up. Like that, that would absolutely mm-hmm. be the first, second, and last things that Lauren would learn in American Sign Language. Don't bother me. I'm already in bed. Like, whatever the sign is for that, that's Lauren. Just saying. Yeah, again, no luck. <laughs> Can't argue with it. Ain't uh, even mad. But then we go over from there to. Uh, back to Carrie looking over at Mark and Susan chatting, uh, and then goes into the lounge for our what I can only assume is a contractually obligated appearance. Like I, I have to think that they were like burning off an episode of pay that like they just yeah. hadn't, they owed him or something because Malucci's in the room. That's about the extent of his contribution to the episode is that he's in the room. He might as well be a ghost, but he does do a really good thing as he's cleaning out his locker. He gets everything he walks away and for a second he looks like he's really considering giving her another piece of his mind. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Eric does a lot of great work with just the facial expressions in this, like, 30 seconds that he's in here. But, Daniel, you pointed out a plot hole. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not the one to point it out. Plenty I of know. people have pointed it out before me, but... Let me rephrase that. You noted a plot it hole. Is, it is, I would, uh, off the top of my head anyway... It is the one and only inconsistency when it comes to the wallow name tags, the fabled wallow name tags that we will get to in season 14, I think. Something like that. It's it's when Abby's leaving. Uh, yeah, it's when early season 15 is when Abby yeah. leaves. So um, it's uh, that'll obviously become a thing then. Uh, Lucci's is, as far as I know, uh, the only uh, non-canonically explainable entry in that name in that wall um everybody else it's like there's at least a conceivable explanation for how their name could have ended up on the wall whereas malucci he took his with him as we see in this uh scene here uh and okay fine you could i guess you could argue that oh maybe 
Halle got in touch with them. Sure. No, actually, I like the because we were discussing this in the Discord uh, recently, and I like the Discord's theory that he was intercepted by Halle on the way to the um, uh, ambulance bay, and that uh, she told him, read him the riot act, and told him that 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 yep. was hospital property and that he needed to give it back, and that he just quietly, politely responded, "Yes, ma'am," and handed over the name tag. All right. Yeah. I buy it. If he's going to listen to anybody, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, so this whole thing is kind of pointless, but it's basically just him, like, giving her a dirty look, and then, uh, you know, he walks out the door, and that's it. And that's the end of, after 47 episodes, that is the end of one Dave Malucci. What a wild, weird, strange trip it's been. Yeah, so make sure you uh, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. We should have... Probably what day do we release those Saturdays or Sunday? Uh, that usually, yeah, typically those come out Saturday or Sunday. I think probably Sunday, if I'm remembering correctly, of the uh, week after a character's final episode. So in this case, Malucci, you're listening to this on Thursday. We should have the retrospective up on Sunday. We haven't, as of the moment we're recording this, we haven't recorded it yet. But I'm very excited to record it because, like, I don't feel like there has been a character retrospective that we've done up to date that our feelings on the character at the beginning of their tenure on the show have become so evolved to when they leave the show. Like we are, are at least for me personally, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into, you know, everybody's feelings on the retrospective, but like, I'm going to play us the clip where Malucci's introduced and all the mean and terrible things we said about him when he first showed up and like contrast that with how differently we feel yeah. about him now that he's leaving us. But, yeah. Patreon.com slash Intel podcast of the $5 level or more can get that a listen uh but let's get our last audio clip here in our episode today uh chen is up on the roof complained with carter i always knew she was capable of stuff like this i guess i fooled myself into thinking that she wouldn't do it to me she offered you the job yet i'm not sure that i want it yes you do you've always wanted it i'll pass if it means you'll stay you should take it i don't want to be here anymore really if it's not you, it'll be somebody else, and I'd rather it be you. You gonna try and stay in Chicago? I don't know. I think there's still a spot open in Northwestern. Promise me, John, that whatever sacrifice you make for this place, you just make sure it's worth it. Aww. And there's a long hug. There's a long hug, and... And this Sunday, the Jing Mei Chen retrospective. No, on no, 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 no. We are done. far from done with. But her. she is taking a, she is taking a good long break though. She will not be back uh, for I think it's eight weeks. Uh, so it is a a good chunk of the season that she's gone for. And I, I tried to connect the dots on her IMDb and try to figure out what is she being given time off to go do <laughs> because like. Uh, it has to be something, right? Like, it has to be something that she's going on, like a movie or a TV show or something. Um, Maybe she wanted to spend time with her kids. Could have been. Could have been. Um, although, I mean, she had a big chunk of last season off for what was presumably maternity leave. Um, yeah, so, I, I don't know. Um, the, the, still, maybe. <laughs> quite possibly the most interesting tidbit. Shout out to uh, one of our listeners in our Discord who pointed this out to me. Uh, that uh, her and her husband around this time were also managers of an Asian boy band. 
Uh, yeah, uh, like it brought receipts too. Like brought a, oh. a brought an interview clip of her on uh, the Craig Kilborn show, uh, where in the middle of this interview she like drops like, oh yeah, my husband and I are managing this a- this Asian boy band. I think it was called At Last. Uh, Googling turns up virtually no like results of this. Like it, it's like not it's not something that is like th- th- this was not a success. But there might have actually been a little bit of truth to it that, like, she may have taken time off around this time so that her and her husband could go uh, tour and promote this Asian boy band. So, Or maybe she was just so overwhelmed with everything that she just wanted to wander yep. either. It's entirely possible. But it was just, you know, it's always interesting when people, you know, dip out for a bit, you know, what they're up to, what, you know, that... You know, I just think back to the Clooney days when he was filming uh, Batman and Robin and dude was pulling like four days a week on ER and three days a week on Batman and Robin. Like, it's tough out there. Little, little nuts. But it's okay. Her best days are still ahead of her, in my opinion. Absolutely. So then Carrie goes to the presumed lesbian friend bar, assumed by all the ladies, <laughs> and she orders herself a vodka neat after sitting down alone at the bar and just looking around at people... Just just having a day. And I think this scene is supposed to make us see how lonely and isolated she is as she looks into the mirror to a horrifying reflection and just watches all these ladies being friends. This also made me realize just how sad I am that there's not really many of these places left around Chicago. Big chicks. That's that's not even a lesbian bar anymore. Not anymore that's either, more right? that's more of like a gay just, bar. Just a queer or... a queer Queer, oh god, I can't think of the word. Queer, queer space. Yeah, uh, queer, just space. queer space. Yeah, yeah. All sorts go there now, and it's great. Like, there's a newer one that I'd then want to check out, but it's more of like a like a cocktail bar type vibe, not like this is just a bar. I would go to a gay bar with you. Okay, let's do a it. A lesbian bar, to be specific, but I would Pres- go with yeah. you. But Presumably. this episode is fine. Yeah. Yes. It's it's I'd very say seven point five yeah. to eight. Seven's fine. It's not gonna it's not gonna rock you not gonna rock anyone's socks off, but it gets it gets what it wants to do done. It reintroduces reintroduces us to Susan. It moves the plot threads of Carrie and Chen along more. It yeah it gives us some it gives us some interesting side stories as well, like with the patients and. But it's not like not the best it's far from the best episode you'll ever see but it's far from the worst too yeah i don't know yeah it's it's kind of like a lot of things we've seen over the last you know season or half half season really i'm really thinking back to like the crossing of just like it's an episode that should be better i think than it is and it's an episode that i think it matters more in the grand scheme of things because of the episode that like because it's the episode where susan comes back like it insists on its own importance when like the episode itself is actually kind of forgettable and like not really that meaningful like every it feels like every time in this episode that they try to make a meaningful moment where they're going like hey remember this or like they're trying to like recapture the magic it just kind of falls flat and like it doesn't really work and you know i'd be really interested to know like kind of what the timeline what much like it was when she left i would love to know like we, we were saying at the time like we wanted to know what the timeline was from when she actually said like yeah i want to leave to when she actually left i kind of want to know when the call got made of like hey do you want to come back 
yeah, I want to come back. Like, I would love to know how much time elapsed between that. Cause it does sort of feel like they threw this together at the last minute. And I would, I would have liked to have seen them have a chance to like really tease this out and make like an episode around it. Make, make her coming back feel like the big deal that it should, because watching it again, it just kind of feels bleh, like just kind yeah. of very flat to me. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, wish that's why better. I'm very interested to see next week's episode. Yeah. Lauren, any thoughts? Yay, Susan's back. Yay. What do the listeners have to say about it? David L. says, One of my favorite memories of this episode was watching the series for the first time way back when the TNT Network used to air old episodes. And they announced Dr. Lewis was returning. I jumped up and down because I was so excited. Rodney C. says, What's funny about this episode is it was my introduction to Susan. I started watching during season six in syndication, so I had no idea of Susan or Chen's history with the hospital. I think she was a breath of fresh air for the show. Minus the Chloe drama, she often brought a lighter side to the show while making her a serious doctor. I could do without the instant tension between her and Elizabeth. Knowing their personalities, they would actually be great friends. I like the Elizabeth-Mark pairing, but it did dim her light. She was much more dour from this point forward. Excellent use of the word dour. This is also an odd chess-moving episode. After the drama of who is getting what position, it ends basically the way you knew it would. There was several people who uh, who mentioned that this was their introduction. Like, this episode was their introduction to Susan as a character because they started watching in syndication or they were too young when season was uh, Susan was on the show the first time and... And so they picked up the thread later on. And I know that's kind of Jake's uh, impression too, because Jake didn't start watching with us mm-hmm. until like mid late season three. So he either caught the very tail end of Susan or missed her entirely the yeah. first go around. And as a result, he has a really negative opinion of Susan as a character because of her second run. So it's in- I'm interested to hear people's perspectives as we get deeper into her second run of like, do you just have an overall negative opinion of the character because you missed out on the first go around and, right. or maybe you revisited it and gained a greater appreciation for her? Yep. Uh, at basic mall says Susan fucking Lewis. My girl is back. It's been 106 episodes since we last saw her. I've missed her. I really enjoy her sarcasm in the episode and Mark and her just being friends again. I love everything about her return. Strange haircut included. Do I remember the rest of the episode? I do, but I just want to gush about Susan because she deserves the love. At Microplastics804 says, With Ming-Na working on another project, I know logistically that Jing-Mei's flounce was the easiest way to set up her absence, but it mostly sucks because all of the jokes that get made about her leaving, hell, I've made them. I've made them too. Just as she did during Guidewire Gate, I think she made the situation worse by leaving. And although she gets a bad rap in the fandom as being entitled and immature, I'm overly sympathetic because I see an Asian child who reacts this way because she was never given room to fail. But I'll save that for her retrospective. Her scene with Carter at the end makes me wish the show did more with that friendship because these two really went through some shit together. Daniel jokingly asked what, if anything, Dave does of substance in this episode, and the answer is nothing. Just like most of the 47 episodes he was in. Man, the way I used to hope he and Chen would team up and get their jobs back. Here, Carrie shows why she is such a great character. Management is tough, and politics are even worse. But she came to play. I don't need to justify myself to you is an iconic quote that I find myself using a lot 
now that I'm in now that I'm older. And if her stony facial expression at Jing Mei's go to hell I quit was good, watch her face again when she sees Susan and Mark yucking it up and then encounters Malucci in the lounge. Susan is back, which, thank God, her friendship with Mark, which is what I was thinking Carter and Chen's would be, was one of my favorite relationships in the show. I remember Mark being a better friend than he was a spouse, and the way he is with Elizabeth really just underscores that. Good thing this isn't going to get weird this season. P.S. I cannot believe the producers got Julie Delpy to come and be this character. What a waste. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 60 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and... Character retrospectives, where we talk about our feelings on characters that have left the show. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can start finding me posting more embarrassing climbing photos on at Lobo92345, because when I climb with friends, I'm going to start posting more of my fails. On Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. Uh, thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week. Bye.